So Money episode 493, Melanie Lockhart, creator of the Dear Debt blog. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. Welcome to So Money, everyone. How are you doing? You know, many of the questions I get asked for the Ask Farnoosh episodes concern student loans, student loan debt. It's a problem and it's plaguing our country. And with the rise of inflation, it looks like it might get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. Today's guest has an incredible story of her own where she got out of $81,000 in student loan debt from both undergrad and graduate school. Her name is Melanie Lockhart. And what makes her story so unique is that her get out of student loan debt story was deemed one of the top five most inspiring personal finance stories of 2015 by Yahoo Finance. She chronicles her journey on her award-winning blog, Dear Debt, and now inspires readers to break up with their own debt in a pretty fun way by writing their own breakup letter to debt and sharing it on her website. She says that's one of the most important first steps because it brings acceptance. Melanie also turned her blog into a book called Dear Debt, a story about breaking up with debt. And she frequently contributes to many outlets and publications from Business Insider to Oprah. And when she's not running her blog, she is a freelance writer and event planner. So we're going to learn about how Melanie went from graduate school to $81,000 in debt in the midst of all that on food stamps but then turn it all around to now today becoming a successful author. The advanced financial lesson she received as a young child that I wish more of us would get and the crazy odd jobs she held while digging herself out of all that debt. One in particular, she says, was quite lucrative and something many of us can do around the holidays. So stay tuned for that. Here's Melanie Lockhart. Melanie Lockhart, welcome to So Money. Uh, how does it feel Hello. to be debt free? It feels awesome. Thanks so much for having me here. It feels amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm amazed that you have accomplished so much in such a little period of time, really. I mean, you got out of over $80,000 in student loan debt, um, which we know that is unfortunately not uncommon in this country. We often hear that mm-hmm. average figure of like you graduate with about 30 grand in debt. 
Uh, yeah, I don't feel bad not for anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I had, you know, back in 2003. So fast forward to today, we have a, a epidemic really. And so we want to let's mm-hmm. start there. Um, your journey to get out of that has actually gotten you a lot of press and it's, it's led to a blog. It's led to a book, which we'll talk yeah. about as well. But tell me about the moment you decided you'd had it and you mm-hmm. had to start making real changes. Definitely. Yeah. So I borrowed a total of $81,000 in student loan debt. So 23,000 of that was from my undergraduate degree from Cal State Long Beach. And then 58,000 of that was from NYU. And so by the time I graduated from NYU in May 2011, you know, after making all of these payments for five years, I still had $68,000 left. And I struggled to find work in New York. I went on interview after interview after interview. Um, Mind you, I also have a pretty useless degree in something called performance studies. So uh, that's kind of funny. (laughs) Is that that acting Um, or not? It's not exactly acting. It's sort of like art history for performance, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So not, not the most lucrative career, but I struggled to find work in New York And, you know, six months after graduation, I just, you know, came to this conclusion that I couldn't live in New York and pay my student loans without a full-time job. And so I moved to Portland, Oregon to be with my partner. We were doing long distance at the time and also to cut my rent in half. And, you know, even though it was a good move for me financially and personally, it was something I didn't want to do. I didn't really want to leave New York. Um, you know, I sort of felt like I left with my tail between my legs and that it was a decision I had to make. And, you know, once I realized that debt was really holding me back from my goals and my dreams, that it was stressing me out every single day because I didn't have a job to support it. You know, I just realized I had to make some change because it it was affecting my life in a real way. And talk about that. How did it affect your life? What do you remember vividly being just the worst of times? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the worst of times came right after I moved to Portland, Oregon. So I struggled even more in Portland. Portland's economy was even worse than New York. And I barely even got any interviews. Uh, I was able to secure a temp job at $10 an hour as an admin assistant, bringing in about $800 a month. And at the suggestion of a friend, I went on food stamps at that time to help cover the bills. And, you know, it was just a really, really tough moment to to graduate from NYU with my master's degree, you know, having my degree from my dream school, and then to move to a city I didn't really want to be in and find myself on food stamps, which I never thought would ever happen. Um, You know, I just felt so overwhelmed with this debt, you know, at that point. I still had close to $70,000 in debt. I was making $10 an hour at a part-time temp job. It just felt so completely overwhelming and like I would never get out of debt. Like it just wasn't even possible. And so, you know, there's so much anxiety and guilt and shame when it comes to paying off debt, especially if you're someone like me who went to a, a fancy private school, got maybe a not so practical degree, you know, there, there was a lot of emotions around carrying that debt and feeling like I would never get out of it. And so it caused me a lot of stress and depression and anxiety for, for a long time. What was your support system? I imagine you had a lot of support as you were accomplishing all of these goals and paying your way through it. And 
when you graduated and you had this rude awakening where you suddenly were faced with $81,000 in debt, um, mm. who came to your side? Who did you go to to share your difficulties with? Maybe learn a few things from. Did you have a support system? Mm-hmm. Yes, I really do have to credit my really close friends, my partner who's you know, I've been with for a very long time, and also my parents. You know, they really helped me get through that dark time. But you know, even then, I, I reached a point where I was depressed every day. I felt overwhelmed. You know, I couldn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you know, even with their support, you know, I had realized that when you're in such a deep, dark place, you really have to change something within yourself because, you know, your parents and your partner and your friends can only help you so much, you know? Well, and, and so, you have to turn that light on yourself. There's no, it's mm-hmm. not, we use that expression, light at the end of the tunnel. I, I interpret that as, you know, to, this too will pass. And at the end of this will be something brighter. Just give it time, give it patience. But time and patience is not enough to get out of $81,000 in debt. You actually have <laughs> yes. to do the work. And turn those freaking lights on yourself at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Mm -hmm. What did you do? What Mm -hmm. do you you think what you did? I mean, you wrote a book about it. You have a blog. Do you think it's really Mm -hmm. teachable if you have a hundred thousand or more in debt? Mm -hmm. I definitely think it is teachable. And you really have to reach that moment where you realize that you have to commit to getting out of debt. And the only person that can do that is you. Um, you know, something that I talk about in the book is that getting out of debt is very similar to the five stages of grief. You know, I went through denial, I went through anger, I went through bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And, you know, for a long time, I was angry at the system. I was angry my parents couldn't pay for me. Um, you know, I was depressed about my situation and thought I was the only one. You know, sort of going through this whole cycle led me to acceptance and realizing that nobody could help me get out of debt but me. And so after I had, you know, relied on my parents and my boyfriend's support, you know, I realized that even with all their love and care and support that I really had to make the change. And so in January 2013, I started my blog deardebt.com and it was really a lifesaver for me at that point because I needed something to turn my negative energy into a positive. And so in my very first post, January 3rd, 2013, I said, I'm going to pay off this debt in four years. I don't know how, because I'm making $12 an hour at a temp job, but I'm going to do it. And ever since I made that declaration, my life has changed in a lot of ways. And I was able to get out of debt actually in three years from that point rather than four because of all of the things that happened with changing my mindset, with side hustling, with starting the blog and all of these opportunities that have come my way since then. When you hit enter and publish, I should say, for that first first blog post, what was the, what was, what happened? What was the rebound? What, uh, why do you think that that unleashed so much progress for you? Mm -hmm. I think it really turned things around for me personally, because it was the first time that I had really accepted my debt and realized that I was going to take steps no matter what to get out of debt. You know, I had declared it to the world, you know, even though I probably had three readers at that time. (laughs) And, you know, I was committed to finding a community of people that were also getting out of debt because after being depressed about it for so long, I thought I can't be the only one with this much 
alone. You can't be the only one struggling to find work. I can't be the only one, you know, feeling really depressed and anxious and, you know, guilty and full of shame. And so I wanted to create a safe space to, to talk about those very things. And, you know, the blog was a, a support system and, you know, other debt fighters started finding the blog as well. And we created a community of supporting each other. And every single month I would write my debt check-in. This is how much I paid off this month. You know, these are my struggles. These are my successes. And people would root me on and I would root them on. And it became this community effort of supporting each other to get out of debt. And so I understand you took some jobs on through TaskRabbit and Craigslist. You side hustled mm-hmm. your way out of some of that debt. Was that the primary thing that, that you did or were there other ways that you cut back? Yeah, definitely. So I always suggest for people getting out of debt you know, to cut back first. Um, that's something that I definitely did. But I was also, to be honest, kind of annoyed with that advice because I was already living a very minimalist lifestyle. You know, I had a studio apartment with my boyfriend, did not have a car, no pets, no gym membership, no cable, barely went out, you know, nothing. And so I kept thinking, I really can't cut back anymore. I really don't have, you know, a lot of things. Um, you know, so what can I do after I've cut back every single budget item, you know, aside from moving back home with my parents, there's really no more I can cut back. And so, you know, once I cut budget back to the bone, I realized that I hit a plateau. And I think many people find this, you know, when they're on their journey in personal finance, that pinching pennies and cutting back is really useful as an initial strategy. But at some point, there's only so much you can cut back. And right. so, you know, I was making 10 to $12 an hour at that point, And my payments were about $1,000 a month. Um, it's important to note, I did not choose to do an income driven plan at this time, because I did not want to only pay the interest, I wanted to do my best to try to continue to make those payments. And so I knew I had to earn more money. And that's when I started side hustling, because I just knew that anything on top of 10 to $12 an hour would be really helpful to help pay my bills and to keep up my student loan payments. I'm totally connecting with you on this one because I had a master, I have a master's and I was in debt and I was making not, you know, beginner salary in New York. I didn't move to Mm -hmm. Portland. I stayed in New York. Imagine that. And so I began (laughs) side hustling. This is before TaskRabbit. This is before really Craigslist was, um, a good source for finding legit side hustles. Yeah. So I, I remember just going through word of mouth and babysitting and pet sitting and I honestly would have done anything. I mean, not anything, but you know, yeah. <laughs> people think you have a master's now, you need to have this prestigious job, you need to, you know, mm-hmm. be in high in demand and making money. And it's not the case. There are lawyers out there with law degrees, fresh out of law school, that can't find work. So what are they supposed to do? Sit on mm-hmm. their hands? Well, you know, (laughs) swallow your pride a little and do something that will help you to stay afloat until that big, awesome dream job arrives. And so tell us some of the things that you did. What were some of the, like, I dog sat, I I bird sat, wouldn't do it again. Yeah. That was my little point. Yeah. I I pet sat. Um, I also was an event assistant. So I worked a lot of birthday parties, Hanukkah parties, New Year's Eve parties. The holidays is a great time to work holiday parties. I got paid several hundred dollars just assisting people on Thanksgiving or Christmas. And, you know, you I didn't these? spend time with my family. Just on TaskRabbit? Craigslist and TaskRabbit. Mm, people okay. are looking for help during the holidays. You know, can you work for my uh, party? I need help. 
you know, I worked as a coat checker. Um, one of the weirdest gigs I did was I sold water bottles at a rave overnight from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. at a warehouse in Portland. For, at a premium, um, was, like, 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 like we do in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it was like two to three dollars a water bottle. And, you know, people were sweaty and dancy and, you know, they were willing Hi. to pay that. So you know, that was one of the side hustles I did. And one of the also become a brand ambassador. So if you are an extrovert, I highly recommend becoming a brand ambassador because it's an easy side hustle that is actually quite fun and not as tedious as maybe some of the other things that I did, like being a house cleaner or a pet sitter. Um, a brand ambassador is essentially the face of a company as at a public event. So if you go to a sporting event or a concert, um, you know, people are handing out free swag and that's pretty much what I did. And, you know, those gigs can be 18 to $25 an hour. So that's the lucrative sassel that I did in Portland and New York. And this was in addition to your job paying $10, $12 an hour, right? Yes. Okay. Definitely. And you I was working it- every single day at that point. Oh, wow. Any, any gig that could pay me, you know, and I would scour Craigslist and TaskRabbit. I, I helped people move at the end of the mm-hmm. month. I worked holiday parties. I pet sat worked these crazy parties, <laughs> you know, pretty much anything. And and it was really eye-opening to me because I struggled for so long to find a quote, real job, a traditional job. But once I sort of swallowed my pride and said, how can I make money in any way possible? All of these side hustles really opened up to me. And I saw how many opportunities are actually out there when you're not just looking at things in the traditional way or in a certain lens. Have you counted how many jobs you performed in those three years. You might have a record here. (laughs) I haven't, but I've done quite a lot. And I think I should probably make a list of all of the crazy things I have done and publish that. That would be a fun (laughs) list to go through, I think, for any one of your your readers. So now now that you're debt free, do you regret the debt or Mm -hmm. are you happy for it because it brought you to this new great place in your life? Hmm. Yeah, I think I would answer that question differently depending on the time of my life. You know, if you asked me that a few years ago, I would say I definitely regret it. It was a horrible mistake, you know, getting into that much debt. Um, but now sort of things have come full circle. You know, I took on all this debt. I struggled for a long time. It propelled me to start this blog about getting out of debt, which has led to this new career as a freelance writer. And it led to a book deal. And so it's been turning my pain into my passion. So, of course, right now, I can't really say I regret taking on all that debt because it worked out. But, you know, I think we have different relationships to things at different times in our life. And definitely a few years ago, I was like, why did I do that? Why? Why did I get into so much debt? And for a degree, do you think the degree has helped you? I mean, it was performance studies and you know you talked about being a brand ambassador and now you're you are public speaking that so it's worked out a little bit right yeah and actually you know performance studies because it is more theoretical than sort of performance like acting you know i did a ton of writing in my uh, graduate school program which has helped me become a better writer which is something i do now. So it has worked out in a weird way. And I think that's important for people to know, you know, whether they're working in their field or not, that you can still take some of the skills that you've learned and you've honed in your program and use them elsewhere. What a great story, Melanie. You really turned things around for yourself. Yeah, it's been a wild, wild journey for sure. 
just about every investment and retirement plan is created by men for men, which is fine unless you're a woman. Women still earn less than men for now. We're more aware of risk. We're more likely than men to pause our careers to raise a family. And unfortunately, we typically retire with less wealth than men, even though statistics show that we live longer. That's why there's Elevest, created for women, run by and designed by women. Elevest helps women invest based on their specific goals, like buying a home, starting a business, raising a family, or just retiring like a boss. So Money listeners can visit elevest.com slash so money and have an investment plan created at no cost, customized to your specific goals. Invest like a woman with Elevest. E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T. That's LFS.com slash so money. So what's next? The book is out and it's called mm-hmm. Dear Debt, A Story About Breaking Up With Debt, which I assume talks a lot about what you just went through and yeah. sharing with us. Um, what's on the other side of this for you? you? A book is so exciting because on the one hand, it's such a huge accomplishment. Not everyone can write a book. Not everyone gets a book deal. It's, it's a really proud mm-hmm. moment. But then the the sort of unknown of the book coming out and what's going to happen afterwards is kind of exciting. You know, have you met yeah. interesting people? What have been some of the unexpected experiences from since the book was published? Yeah, I think the most shocking thing for me is the people that have told me that they bought my book that I just would have never thought possible. You know, of course I knew my family and friends would support me, but then, you know, some people that I might not have talked to in the past couple of years have told me they bought my book or some readers that, you know, were sort of on the fringe. Maybe they didn't comment. I didn't really know who they were. Sort of emailed me and said, Oh, I bought your book and I loved it. You know, people surprise you, you know, it's like, wow, I had no idea some of these people would support me. It was such a big thing like this book. And so that's been really wonderful to see. It's been great to get the feedback. You know, the book is part memoir of the stories, you know, I've told today. Also actionable advice on how to get out of debt, of course, and also a collection of the Dear Debt letters. So a lot of my site is about writing breakup letters to debt because it is so important to me to focus on that emotional aspect of getting out of debt. And so, you know, people have said they've enjoyed the journey. They've enjoyed seeing the Dear Debt letters in one big collection. And also that, you know, I've humanized debt both through my personal story as well as through the Dear Debt letters. And I think that's so important because when I was getting out of debt, it always just seems like people that get out of debt are these other people, these, you know, but it's never going to be you, right? But if you can have someone with a relatable story, you know, who wasn't necessarily making six figures, you know, say I got out of debt too. It's, it's really inspiring. And so, you know, in regards to next steps, we'll, we'll see. There's, there's a lot on the horizon. You know, a lot of people have been asking me what's next. And to be honest, I don't have a, a great answer for that. I'm sort of just riding the wave and s- seeing what happens. Well, I think that's a good answer. I think that's a great <laughs> answer. I, on your website, deardebt.com, well, which is the blog about breaking up with debt. You have this section, 20 things about me that maybe we don't know. I think that's so cool. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I think on my blog, that's, um, yeah. So I'm learning a little bit about you that, um, I'm going to share with the audience now. So, uh, one of the things is that you're an only child, you're a full fledged Scorpio, (laughs) favorite movie is the wizard of Oz. You also call yourself a little OCD. Yeah. Obsessive compulsive. <laughs> do you think that had anything to do with your success of focusing on getting out of the debt? Like it became your obsession. 
Mm-hmm. I, I actually do. And that's actually a good point. You know, I do have a little bit of clinical OCD. I do, you know, have some rituals and patterns and anyone that sort of has OCD knows that. But I do think it did help me in some ways with the debt because I was obsessed with paying it off, you know, and also that has its own ramifications as well. I have to admit, I didn't really save for retirement. I didn't do a good job savings. And those are things that, you know, I don't necessarily recommend as someone in personal finance, but I was so obsessed and consumed with getting out of debt that it was my singular focus. And you said earlier that you humanized the process and you also gave debt, you made it um, a, a thing, like an actual, you know, <laughs> I guess, uh, an entity, whereas yes. we just sort of think of it as like just a number, but this actually was this thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that um, sometimes enticed you, sometimes pushed you, sometimes, you know, made you make bad decisions. It was like that. If you had to, you really personified it. So how would you describe it? Is it like a bad a bad friend <laughs> pushes you and yeah, like a bad like, decision, you know, an, an ex-boyfriend that you sort of <laughs> regret that whole experience. You're like, Oh, why did I ever get with you? You ruined my life, but I'm moving on. I'm so much better than this. And you know, it's, it's been fun. With the Dear survive, Debt Letter right? project. Yeah, exactly. It's been fun with the Dear Debt Letter project to sort of personify debt in so many different ways. And to look at those different emotions, you know, I think as in with any relationship, like your relationship with debt, you know, you go through the happiness, the joy, the fear, you know, the breakup and the aftermath of all of that. And I really wanted to explore all of those emotions that come along with paying off debt and getting into debt and realizing you are in debt, all of those things. My friend, Alex Steele, you'll like this story. She is now a super anchor woman at Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. But I met her when we were both just starting out and we were working at thestreet.com. And and at the moment I met her, I actually interviewed her in my first book. She had such a really interesting story about getting out of her own debt. Also went to, I think, she went to Northwestern, I think, and studied theater. And anyways, had all this debt. A lot of it was credit card debt. So mm-hmm. she went on a $10 a day diet. Where she, oh, wow. That's it. And... I only used cash and I think it took her a few years. She got out of all her debt. Well, fast forward to, de- to today. She is doing very well. I just said she's like a super big anchor at Bloomberg, making a very nice income, I think, yeah. and living a nice life. She still budgets every day. She still wow. has her daily allowance. I love that. Yeah. So even though... And so this kind of speaks to what you just said about you have this breakup and there's things that you can't wait to get rid of about that relationship. But then there are others that um, stick around, hopefully the good lessons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see that in some of my friendships. So um, it's good to get stories like yours out there. What's your money philosophy, Melanie? Uh, Now that you've Mm -hmm. been through all of this today in 2016, Mm -hmm. uh, as I'm asking you, what would you say is your number one money mantra? I would say treat money with respect. You know, I think for so long, I thought of money as this evil thing. I never would be, you know, rich. I would never make a lot of money. And so I didn't really care for it either with budgeting, with spending, with saving. It didn't really mean anything. And once I started treating money with respect, I started making more money. I started changing my money mindset. I started getting out of debt and, you know, treating money with respect has earned me more money. And so I can use it as a tool to have a better life. And I think that's one of the most important things is using money 
to buy things that you want, to have experiences, to live the life you want and to spend on your values. I think a lot of it is slowing down too. You know, mm-hmm. just uh, you talk about how you have this love-hate relationship with, tech, with technology. Yes. I think one of the <laughs> yeah, one of the potential downfalls of being in a tech-driven world where everything is too at our accessible at our fingertips twenty four seven. It's a fast-paced world that we become fast-paced. We fail to take the right just seconds sometimes to think about, is this meaningful? Do I want this? Is it right for me? And will this mm-hmm. make me happy? These little questions, these little five second, you know, timeouts can really make a world of difference, can save you a yeah. lot of money. And I blame technology. I blame sort of, you know, it's the good. We get, we take the good with the bad, I guess. But we've, mm-hmm. we're just such a fast paced world. We don't slow down enough to really realize mm-hmm. sometimes yeah, unconsciously what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And to your point, technology has made it even easier to spend. And I'm guilty of it, too, you know, with Postmates and Uber and, you know, oh, all yeah. of these different Seamless. services that, mm-hmm. you know, at, at your fingertips, you could say, oh, I'm so busy. I don't want to cook tonight. You know, I'm going to get Postmates. Oh, I'm running late. I'll just get an Uber. And, you know, I've done all of those things, too. But I think it's so easy just to, you know, tap our cell phones, press a few buttons and have everything we need you know, with a few steps. And while that's great in some ways, it can really be a slippery slope with our spending for sure. So I'm totally with you on slowing down and not just letting technology take over and not letting it influence your spending. (laughs) What about credit card debt? Do you have a history with that? No, actually, I did not even get my first credit card until I was 28 because I was so terrified of credit card debt. So even though I found myself in a ton of student loan debt, I always had a huge aversion to debt. I think that's part partially why I was so obsessed with paying it off. Um, you know, I didn't get my own credit card till I was 28. And that was really after a long time of thinking, ah, oh, I should probably build my credit even more, especially now that, you know, I'm pretty close to paying off my student loans. And uh, that was a hard decision because I think, you know, there's many studies out there that millennials are credit averse. And I was definitely one of them. I just thought credit cards equal debt. And it was really hard for me to change that thought. And, you know, now I've been a responsible credit card user for a couple of years. I pay my balance in full every month, but it's something I definitely don't ever want to get into. Right, right. And I'm with you. I think that credit cards, look, credit cards are just credit cards. It's the behavior mm-hmm. that that can lead you down a very difficult path. It's the you definitely. Know, irresponsibility. Um, otherwise, it's just a piece of plastic. It's a form of payment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we we personify it as to be this, this evil yeah, thing. It's evil. And look, it's not as... Um, it's not as forgiving <laughs> as yeah. using cash. It's not as um, permissive sometimes when you don't, um, as opposed to like, you know, using your own money, using someone else's money. So you have to be really careful about that and there are penalties, but that's, those are the rules, right? Mm-hmm. And you should know the yeah. rules and, you know, if you want to play the rules and play the rules. But yeah, I think that we suffer to displace blame. Mm-hmm. And um, anywho, tell me a little bit about your money memories growing up as a kid. And we talked about your successes and we've talked mm-hmm. about, you learned a lot about your habits and your money mantra. But, you know, I like to ask guests also about their history with money as children. Mm-hmm. What was a big lesson you learned growing up? 
Yeah. I feel like money wasn't talked about too often, you know, as a child. And, you know, my mom grew up pretty poor. She grew up to a single mom with six kids in Detroit. So she had a different upbringing than I did for sure. And, you know, I think because of that, I always sort of realized that money was limited money. Uh, you know, there was only so much of it around my parents, you know, never made a ton of money. My dad was often out of work actually. So that was sort of a a, a big financial stress for my family and something that I, you know, sort of took on. And I think that's partially why I've hustled so much is, you know, I've realized that I never want to be in that situation where I have to rely on somebody else. What, um, what lessons did you learn as a kid, maybe through an allowance or seeing your parents talk about money? Was it a taboo topic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really didn't talk about it that much. I think it was sort of more taboo. It's just something that my parents didn't talk about. And, you know, if if they did, you know, that was between my mom and my dad. It wasn't something that I needed to be involved with. And, you know, my mom is my number one fan now. And I think she's so proud of me and, and what I have done to sort of break down those taboo barriers. Um, but, you know, it's something I had to really figure out on my own through trial and error as a teenager. But, you know, I definitely learned how to hustle. Uh, you know, I, I actually did end up selling some of my parents' CDs, my their old CDs when I wanted to make more money, which they, they found out later and, and weren't too happy about. But, you know, it was my first lesson in entrepreneurship of, hey, I can turn these old CDs, you know, into ca- cash and resell them. And, you know, I always sort of had this entrepreneurial feeling of, of you know, making money is is great. It's a great way to create your own freedom. That's great. Not a lot of kids get that introduction as mm-hmm. children, that lesson. I didn't, I never learned a thing about entrepreneurship. I remember one time a dinner party at my parents' house. I was a, maybe in a middle school and a friend of my family, a guy announced that he was quitting his job and starting a business. And <laughs> the room went silent. And, what? and, and were like, <laughs> and you know, this is a guy that's got a family to feed and yeah. Um, they just were like, hey, good luck with that. There was not, yeah. I mean, whereas today <laughs> we would be cheering, we'd be clinking. Congratulations. Yeah. Can I come yeah. work for you? you know, like, yeah. Don't forget the little people. Like we are so <laughs> much more appreciative and supportive of entrepreneurship now. And I'm so happy for mm-hmm. it because it really yeah. is, I think the best way to really take the reins in your own career. If you've got the, what it takes to be an entrepreneur, you actually mm-hmm. want to be one. Um, Definitely. But yeah, that was not so much the message in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. (laughs) In Worcester, Massachusetts, where I'm from. Um, All right. Let's do some so money fill in the blanks and then I'll let you go. This has been so much fun. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say you won $100 million. The first thing I would do is? Travel the world. Yes. Any particular first stop? I really want to go to Istanbul. That, you know, has been sort of changing with the political climate there. But I really want to go to Istanbul. I really want to go to Paris. I want to go to Japan, Thailand, Mm. so many different places. I I love traveling more than anything. Yeah, me too. It's hard now with a kid, but. Yeah. (laughs) Now when I do travel plans, I search travel, like family fun things to do. (laughs) Best places to travel with a kid. Yeah. (laughs) I've heard Europe is great with for kids. Many places in Europe um, put America to shame. 
when it comes to child friendliness. Yeah, for sure. When I spend my money, the one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better or both is... Postmates. I know I totally just judged people that use Postmates. And I, I think people should definitely be careful, but definitely the right time in the right place, Postmates definitely makes my life easier. Yeah. I've used it a couple times. And um, so quick story, my husband was away this weekend and I think he was having a little bit of like parenting guilt for leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all, it's, so it's nice to know that men feel this too, not just women. Yes. So as soon as he left, I got um, a messenger coming up to my house. My doorman's like, do you have, po- you have a Postmates delivery? And at first I was like, no, I don't. Don't what? let this man come upstairs. <laughs> And then I texted my husband. I said, "Do you have a? Did you like order a delivery?" He was like, "Yes." Aww. So then the delivery came, and it was donuts. Oh my god! Donuts for me and Evan. It was such the, that is so, so sweet. Yeah, I've hit. It since, really can make it the world of difference. <laughs> it really, you know. And so, what a great like little treat! And uh, thanks to Postmates because I don't know any donut shops that deliver. <laughs> Yeah, right. You, you can, can hire have whatever a messenger you want. through Postmates <laughs> to do that for you. I have since frozen the donuts, or otherwise I would have eaten all of them in one <laughs> evening. So I've frozen them, given me a little bit of distance. Nice. Um, anyway, sidebar. Okay. So <laughs> when I splurge, the one thing I love to buy is massages. Yeah. I just love a good massage. I don't I don't do it often at all, maybe once or twice a year. But when I do, I just completely feel like a different person afterwards. And I'm always like, why don't I do this more? I should cut back in my budget elsewhere, like mm-hmm. Postmates, and buy massages instead. Yeah. It's like uh yeah, I've I've had very few massages in my life, but I do remember them all. <laughs> I remember yes. feeling wonderful afterwards. The one thing I wish I had learned about money growing up as a kid is I wish I learned how to manage it and save as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just, you know, had to learn through trial and error and it was a very confusing process at first. And I think many people feel that way. And if there was financial literacy classes or even just financial education, you know, I think we'd all have a better starting point with our financial journey. Agreed. But it does sound like you had a very 400 level education of money growing up. <laughs> As we just talked about you being inspired to be entrepreneurial, that's exceptional. You know, the 101 stuff came to you later in life, but yeah. <laughs> maybe there was some sort of balance there because of it. Yeah. And then last but not least, I'm Melanie Lockhart. I'm so money because... Because I'm a girl boss. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know... I thought- are you're, you a fan you're girl of boss the interview. girl boss? Yes, I saw on your Instagram that you interviewed her. She interviewed me, Mallory. She interviewed you. That is amazing. I would be so lucky if she came on my show. I think, you know, I don't know what's harder. I, don't, I like. I would have never expected to be asked to be on her show. I was just trying to figure out how to get her on my show. Yeah. So maybe now I have an in. And she said she no, would. No, you definitely but, you know, do. She's pretty busy. She's amazing. She's amazing. And she's so lovable and kind and and you know I just everything you wish somebody would be um, yeah. when you have such high admirations for them from afar and then you meet them and it's not a disappointment it's always nice so yeah and the um, book was amazing and I feel like she really set a precedent for people you know women who want to start their own businesses and manage their money you know I love that there was some personal finance tidbits in the book as well <laughs> dumpster diving you know. yes but what's cool <laughs> about her too is that she'll be the first to admit that she didn't have this big old plan Mm-hmm. She didn't have 
she it's sort of she stumbled into it. But like your story, too, you know, she studied she her passion was not what she ended up doing. Funny enough, she's so good at what mm-hmm. she does now. You think this was her passion. But initially, yeah. she wanted to be a photographer. Yeah. And while that didn't shake out, the photography that she had mastered, she used those skills to take beautiful photographs of clothing that she would mm-hmm. sell on eBay. And so, so great. it's all connected. And so just mm-hmm. going, I guess it all, you know, we've come full circle now with your story where it just seems like, you know, you've made the, you've connected the dots mm-hmm. and that is so wonderful. So money. Melanie Locker, thank you so much and good luck to you and good luck with the book. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks so much to Melanie. Her website is deardebt.com and her Twitter is at deardebtblog. The book again is called Dear Debt, a story about breaking up with debt. All this information, if you missed any of it, don't worry, go to somoneypodcast.com and you can download the audio, read the transcript, leave me a comment, leave me a question. Click on Ask Farnoosh while you're there. Send me your biggest, baddest money question and we'll resolve it hopefully on a forthcoming Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in and I hope your day is so money. Money.